Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. It's a celebration, bitches. Yeah. Four years, guys. I can't believe it. Sarah, it is outrageous. We started DBP four years ago as of May 18th, 2018. That's insane. Crazy. How time flies. It really does fly. (laughs) (sighs) I feel so accomplished. I don't know about you. I mean, we're just looking for excuses to open good wine, too, at this point. (laughs) <laughs> truly, truly. I Yes, that is actually true. So we're going to be talking about just kind of reflecting on four years of DBP, what we've just recently been up to, and maybe our aspirations for this next season yes. of DBP. And you can get a little insight into maybe some things that we have coming up. But today we are drinking, I'd say drumroll, but it might be really loud on the mics, Um we're drinking two wines that we purchased while we were in California for our trip a couple years ago. Oh, I loved that trip. <laughs> it was fabulous. I just want to go back. This is our first stop on the Sonoma side. It tour. was, yes. And so you might recall from our recap, but it was raining that day. Yes. And we were so disappointed since like it never rains over there. But uh, we had a rainy day all day. Um, and this was the first place. And it was super cash, if you recall. Like, yes, I do outdoors but like covered and we kind Kind of of felt like we were just like in the farm yes okay so for everybody it's peter sellers is the winery it is a joke on peter sellers the actor's name but also the owner is his name is peter and he did the tasting yes he did do the tasting and it was awesome um but the labels actually look like the pink panther which is super cute which peter sellers was in so it's all very fitting but i gotta tell you sarah i learned something very recently what's that do you remember when we went there there were dogs or at least i only remember one dog okay there's a nice pop there are apparently two golden retriever dogs on site there. I do remember one. Okay, I'm actually thinking that that one that we met maybe died. Oh, sad. Because I saw a picture and I read this, I gotta share. Because in California, for those who have not been, just so you know, it's like every winery has a dog. I mean, there's a book called Winery Dogs, if I'm not mistaken. There is, yes. yes. We saw it when we were there, yeah. I was gonna say, do you have it? Because. I, I feel don't. like that would be very fitting yeah. for you. Okay, I'm going to open mine. So ter- okay. um, Sarah just opened the 2013 of this Carneros Estate Pinot Noir. I purchased the 2014 with the intent that we were going to do a side-by-side. Yep. So and we, we that, thought our anniversary was only fitting. Yep, that was the plan. We've been saving these for a special occasion, and what better way to celebrate than with our anniversary. And ironically, it's actually my dog's birthday, and so this is kind of funny because it's like it's got like little paw prints too on the cork. So all types of things. But yeah, so these are both Pinot Noirs. And they're from so we were in the Carneros estate. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But first, we need to pour. Yes. Um, so the 13 is a nine-year-old wine. It's so crazy. Yeah. I think that you and I recently drank a similarly aged wine, and I didn't realize in my brain that it was that old. 
I don't know why. 2013, when I say it out loud, it doesn't sound that bad. Yes. But and in actuality, it's a long-ass time ago. So I do have an um, aerator, too, here if we want to do a second pour with an aerator because wow. we did not decant these. This color, Sarah. It's insane. It's so, like... Here, can I trade you the 2014? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Okay. So the color, at least of the 13, and I'm looking at the 14, and we'll post a picture of this, but um, you can it see looks, that they're older because they've got... It looks rusty a little bit. It looks rusty. Both of them do. They've, um, they've got like this yellow rim, almost like coppery color. Yeah. I'm excited because I swear to God, every time I've drank an old wine, I... I'm always like, I wish that the color was changing as much as I think that it should, and it never is. Now, it is, I think. We'll do the what 13 do first. Okay. Right? Oh. So, okay, hold on. We got to cheers. Oh, wait. Hang on. Yes. So much going on, you guys. <laughs> so much excitement. Because so we're let's, so Yes. Cheers. Cheers, friend. To four years. So, it smells funky to me. I'm getting like some dirt on the nose, maybe like a little, um, oh my gosh, what is that? It's like that, uh, it's so, it's like funky, like that. You know when you walk in to an old wine cellar, or maybe you guys don't, but when you walk into an old wine cellar, like we've been, we've visited those old wine cellars, and you walk in, it has this like musty, moldy Shut up! kind of smell. <laughs> You're not good, painting this in no, a very good way. But light. in a good way. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> let's let's agree. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm not. I'm getting too so, deep. It's okay. like force four. Oh, well, okay, but I think maybe where you are going, please tell me if this is wrong. But I think, because what I'm picking up, because you when you said the, an old winery, I actually think that's true. In the sense that it kind of smells like if you were to walk in, and Sarah and I have done a couple tours together and separate of winery floors, like actually like getting behind the scenes. And I think that's what this smells like. I think yes, it smells more like it's like the working environment. I don't want to say spilled, like spilled wine. Like you're in an environment where there's just juices flowing everywhere. <laughs> we're just not doing a good job today, guys. Okay. I'm just thinking about... Okay. It does smell, but... Okay. That's what she said. It smells like that in the best way. In the best way possible. It's not bad. It smells... It's okay. It's like forest floor and old wine. I'm going to... I'm going to taste it. I think forest floor is perfect. Yeah. And maybe this is something that is going to play into when we talk about Peter Sellers himself. Not himself, but, you know. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic. Also, so that people know, we were a little scared when we uncorked these because it's old, but also because there's a little creep up and an inconsistent. Well, not in the in the thirteen. Oh, I so thought you had a little the, bit, a tiny bit in the thirteen. Yeah, yeah. on the ones. Yeah, side. not as mu- not as bad though. Yeah, as and the 14s. So, but we haven't tasted the fourteen yet, so let's not drink That's true, I guess. But we were a little. I, you know, you you can never be sure, especially it's, when you started describing mold. <laughs> You know what's funny though? I'm gonna say this. What year did we go to uh, Sonoma? Twenty nineteen. Thank you. I remember being there and thinking to myself, "This is a funky wine," and I like it. I remember thinking that about this, and that's why I bought it. That's why you bought the 2013 yes. and not the 2014. Yes. And that's why I did not buy the 2013. Yes. 
Not that I'm gonna put it this way. Actually, oh, there's like a little. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh my god, you made me laugh when they started tripping. I don't need to kill you. I don't mean to kill you. You okay? All right. I just need to make sure my partner in crime is not. First time I might be having an anaphylactic reaction. Yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Spilling water on myself. It's just hot mess. Hot I gotta mess express. Take, gotta take today. care of you today. It is a little funkier. Okay. Should we go to 2014 quite yet? I'm I'm all for it. All right, let's, let's jump go to in. 2014, and then we'll talk a little bit about Peter Sellers' yes. winery. Let's jump in. Okay. I but again, this color is just it's making me extremely happy because I'm so seeing, already. You're right. This is the smell is already not nearly as funky. It's not it's, nearly as fragrant either. But hang on. It's like mm. deep berry. Yes, I. That's more accurate. Yours is much more, much more foresty, much more piney. This is way less funky, but it's good. There is like this bright acidity mm-hmm. that like and hits, and there's a the tannin back. that you don't expect at the end. I just, I, I'm still connected over this color and the rim, and it just makes me. I know. So Both of them look the same, though, honestly. They look very similar. I would, this is like kind of rusty. Garnet. Garnet is the color that it would be yes. if you're like looking at the color wheel of a wine chart. And it's like kind of starting to get a slightly orangey rim. I just, yes. This definitely doesn't have as much dirt to it. No. Because I, I think when you describe dirt, I think that's mm-hmm. an accurate statement too because when you talk about forest floor, it has this these more tertiary, like earthy characteristics which some people adore in wines and that's like exactly what they look for. Some people prefer the more fruity and I think that that's what we see more in the 2014. But you know, the, here's the thing though. I don't necessarily normally like wine that tastes like dirt. I think we talked about this. It's why I usually am not a huge Chilean wine fan. Not all the time, but sometimes those tend to be a little... Say Chilean? Yes. They tend to be more like dirty in the sense like you taste the soil. Dirty. Dirty. Dirty Dirty wine. I mean, this is why we podcast. So, okay. Let's talk a little bit about Peter First of all, good selections on our part. Oh, yeah. I think great wines for our anniversary. And also, as I remember, three years later... Also, it's been three fucking years. Yeah, we need to go because back. Because we went over our anniversary. Mm-hmm. We need to go back. It's oh been three years, exactly. I know. But this time, I don't want to break an arm or something. Right. Yeah, because that also sucked with the rain and whatnot. And I was like, oh, the shit. The rain and the broken arm. Remember and- the girl who was on the trip with us, though? Mm-hmm. On the tour this day? She had two broken she had arms, two guys. two broken arms, yeah. Two broken arms. She was from Australia. Mm-hmm. Nicest girl ever. She had a rougher time. It put things into somewhat perspective. Yeah. And made me kind of stop my bitching in front of her. Because I could at least wipe my own ass, right? <laughs> Remember? Yeah. Oh, that poor girl. She was, she and her boyfriend And she lovely. flew all the way from Australia like that. Oh. No. Oh, that's she right. Flew she flew here. She went skiing. Yes, and she, right. the first day skiing, she broke her broke fucking her arm. arms. Yep. So she's got to fly back that way. Yep. Yep. That's awful. Yeah. Poor girl. I, we, we have a picture somewhere. Anyway, okay. So, yeah, this was a very, I think, a very memorable thing. And one of the cool things, like Sarah said, we tasted with the winemaker, Peter. Peter, I'm going to butcher it, Maul or something. He is from the UK. And do you recall, he also had, there was another British woman there yes. who, like, 
We were trying to figure out if they were related. We were related or had a little thing going on. Yeah, we don't know. Unclear, Unclear. but she was also very lovely. Mm -hmm. But he started this, uh, Peter Sellers, back in 2003, based on a commitment to produce high-quality wines that combine the unique terroir and fruit characteristics of Northern California with old-world French winemaking techniques. So this guy actually grew up in the UK, like I said, and spent a ton of time in Bordeaux and Burgundy in the wine houses. Now, I'm not sure if he, like, worked there or if he just drank a lot or, like, what the deal is, but it also reminded me, Sarah, do you remember um, Betsy Spann mm-hmm. from Spann Vineyards? Yeah. She also was from, well, she was from the States, but spent a great deal of time in Burgundy and Bordeaux learning wine techniques, if I'm not mistaken. Like, with her family A lot of people from California do that. Yeah. Anyway, so I just thought that was, like, a really funny thing because we started our day with Peter Sellers ended our day with Span Vineyards. But what's really cool is they have a whole process and Peter has a business background and software career. And what's funny is that he then found himself and he's like, no, no, no. I think I like wine better. <laughs> I'm going to get my official formal enology education at None other than UC Davis, which is where all the big people, I feel, go to get their wine education. But then he actually ended up finding sources for his wines, and his first vintage was officially 2003. So this is from the the Carneros estate. So he first acquired this particular vineyard in Sonoma and started building out of the estate winery where all of the wines are made and tastings performed. So when we went there, we actually tasted on the crush pad. So had we been there in like September, October, we wouldn't probably have been able to taste there. I don't know where they would have done them, if they no would idea. have done them at all. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they wouldn't have had people. Yeah, but that's exactly where they do all the crushing, all the destemming, all that stuff, and start to put them into uh, the fermenters. Something else about Carneros, we've talked about this before, and you know, I normally am not a huge California Pinot fan because I like my Pinot lighter. Like I, I like the group. Yes. Uh, the, the, the group. The grape. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it too concentrated because that's not what Pinot is. Right. Now, Pinot needs, and this is why it does well with Burgundy, it needs a cooler climate. And Carneros has a cooler climate than the rest of Napa and Sonoma because it gets fog and breeze from, I think it's San Pablo Bay. Yep, that sounds right. Uh, And Carneros is actually located in both Sonoma and Napa. Right. So... Him doing Pinot and him having his French training makes this a Pinot that I am... That you like. That I'm good with in Mm -hmm. California. And if you look at it, it does look darker than what you normally would think for Pinot, to be honest. Well, Um, and you know me. I don't don't generally like the super, super light wines. Yeah. But these can hold their own weight, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. I know what you're saying. And I don't really... And we've talked about this. I don't really love the super light wines either. But there's something about Pinot in Willamette Valley, Valley that is like, it's so clean and pure. There's and an just, elegance about it. Yes. Yeah. So usually if I'm picking Pinot, that's where I'm going versus California. But this is fantastic. He does an amazing job. It's, it's a very well done wine. Yeah. Now, I'll say this though. 13 and 14 are different. Markedly different. Mm -hmm. So if you were like looking for consistency between the two wines, if you were like going to grab for a bottle of Peter Sellers Pinot, your two vintages 
are going to be different, which like I'm okay with uh-huh. because that means that you're not messing with your, mm-hmm. with your, uh, you're not trying to fit your grapes into a specific flavor profile. You are allowing the grapes to show whatever it, it is, is they are yep. each and, and every year. And what the weather that year did and all that stuff. And I so have- huge props for winemakers who are not afraid to do that. Yes. There's something to be said for consistency, and I get it, guys. I get that you're like, I want to be able to go to the store and always know that every vintage of X wine from Y vineyard is going to be amazing. Oh, there's some pepper on here that you normally don't get with Pinot. It's interesting, and maybe that's just because something weird is happening with my tongue. But... (laughs) I promise 911 is like on... Yeah, I don't know what's going on. for that, no. Um... So, Sarah, I'm just looking at how much they... I don't remember how much we paid, but it looks like it was probably in the low 50s. Or low 40s, excuse me. Yeah, I think it was 40 to 50, somewhere in there. It looks like the 2016, which is a gold medal, is 43.50. It's totally worth it. Is is a double gold medal, and it's 46.50. I would order this wine. It is totally worth the price point to me. I've had wine that's in the $40 price point. That's not nearly as good as this. And $40 price point for a small producer. Mm -hmm. These are the small producers, these boutique producers, you generally cannot find them outside of purchasing directly from them. So part of the reason why we thought we would feature this too is just so that we can kind of, you know, broaden horizons and encourage folks to look like outside of the box, right? Well, you can't get this one anymore. They only have the 16 and 17. Well, exactly. So you're going to have to maybe then do a separate taste test. If you agree with our our, Mm -hmm. um, assessments of wines thus far, maybe get the 16, 17, do a side by side and let us know what you think about it. And I, did we have the Syrah and the other, I can't remember. mm. Um, I think we did. I think I, we did. think I was mostly impressed with this Pinot, which is saying something, honestly. Well, I also think that we decided that it would be a fun experiment to do. Yeah. To do. And I think you also maybe bought it because you thought Adam would like this I, one. I did, and he will have some. I told him before he left earlier. I was like, yeah. I think we're going to have some Pinot for you. I did. I, I thought the funkiness, he would like it because he likes funky wine. So does my mom. Does she? Mm-hmm. I need a drink with your mom, I think. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about this. Well, I was going to say, I think one of the things I'd like to do this year is maybe have a mom's podcast and bring our <gasps> moms on Oh together. my God, mom, do you hear that? Do you hear that? Wouldn't that be fun to have both of our moms here together? Sarah, I don't... I just got giddy. Okay. All right. So that is one thing that we will aspire to do yes. over the season five. five. Yep. Of DVP. Five, guys. Season five. Moms, we want you to come drink with us. We know you're listening. Mom, are you listening? I don't know if you are. Oh. But you should. My mom's listening. There you go. I know she is. Mm Mm-hmm. I know you are. Mama bear. Yeah. So, Sarah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think we did a great job with wines. Let's... Oh, sorry. Just a couple other super quick things about this particular their winemaking techniques because I know we talk we try to talk a little bit about how they're made but then I want to talk just like about our podcast or whatever or whatever that sounds so flippant I apologize I love what we do together (laughs) um couple things that they noted their vineyards that they have are typically gentle sloping and west facing 
And they believe that these produce the highest quality fruit, which leads to more concentrated wines and with lots of flavor. Now, we were just talking about the fact that it's these wines do not taste over-concentrated, no. right? These wines are, but they're also not super, super light. So one thing that they noted is that they typically cold soak their grapes and the length of time depends on the varietal. And it is normally longer for Pinot Noir, which to be honest, I actually found a little surprising because in Pinot Noir, you want your tannins to be more delicate and the cold soak allows it to impart more color and also more tannins. So I think that's why we're getting the deeper, more opaque color in the glass. But it's amazing because we don't get extra bitterness from that extra tannin. You're correct. And also, I mean, I talked a little bit about how it's a cool climate. Yes. It is the coolest climate in Napa and Sonoma. And they do have this early morning fog that is very notorious for the area or the AVA. But also maybe what we're tasting as well is just that they have more of like a rocky soil. Mm. So that's a potential too. But um, the reason we see more concentrated wine in the warmer areas is obviously because it gets warmer and the grapes ripen more and then you get more concentration whereas these it's a longer time before they ripen Mm -hmm. because it's a cooler climate so yep you know one of the other things that they say that they do is they hand sort the grapes they assess what's ripe and what's unripe but they also remove all the extra stuff and they also all their grapes are 100% de-stemmed and then they're crushed that destemming is also going to remove any of those tannins that come out of the little the bits stems. and pieces. You know, when you go to the grocery store and you like get a bunch of grapes and you start to wash them and you think you're pulling them off, but you get that little extra fucking piece of stem. Yeah, it's so annoying to me. I hate doing yeah. that. That is That will impart a lot of flavor if it's retained. So some wines do really well with that sort of deal. Pinot Noir is not one of those that... We typically And see. another reason I think I like this wine is because, so they only use French oak. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm fine with whatever oak, but they talk about how they don't really want wines with a pronounced oaky taste. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to avoid that. And they use different cooperage like throughout their barrel program. So basically what that means is like the percentage of new oak varies. So usually it's 30 to 50% each year, depending on what varietal they're using. I love that because I am so sensitive to oak these days. If something's overly oaky, oak has its place and you need to oak wine. Um, Not all the time, but sometimes. I, yeah, I am like, I can't handle overly oaked wine these days. I just, I notice it right away. And I think that's a flaw for a lot of, I hate to say it, but a lot of cheaper California wines. Well, I don't. Maybe it's not a flaw. Maybe it's just what I don't like. I wouldn't, it's yeah. It's what I don't enjoy. Well, I think there are just other other practices too, right? Because there are, like, oak barrels are expensive. They yeah. can be, especially if they're new. And so some places don't want to have that extra cost. And so they'll use oak staves or oak chips or I think there's something else that they can add to, like, there's impart some flavor. Yeah. If you're in California. Yeah. Or in the United States. Or in the U.S. Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cause we don't have a stringent mm-hmm. rules about it, but that being said, I think that it's, it's funny to me. I don't know. I'm just looking at this, these notes about the cooperages and you know, like the locations of them and you know, they talk about the different toasts and that some of these places and these cooperages don't require as heavy a toast, which also really impacts the flavors. 
You can go to their website, petersellers.com, in order to find more information, fully support them. All in all, what we what we come to find and what we come to appreciate in the glass, I think, is that it's just really superb winemaking skills and attention to detail. And it's that careful thought that really, I think it actually comes through in the glass. Despite Excellent summary. Yeah. Despite there being differences in flavors, again, yeah. we, Sarah and I love that there's like a difference from year to year because that means that they're just doing, they're basically enhancing nature and allowing us to get slightly tipsy while we do, while we appreciate exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I'm doing right now? I'm adding wine to my cart. Are, <laughs> are you going to try some other varieties? I want to try the 16 and the 17 now. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like so pumped for this i'm like also there's so this. you guys they have a lot of silver medals um sarah i know we're not usually oh, like these... rosé people but oh, yeah mm-hmm. actually i did have a glass of rosé at brunch the other day willingly yeah. like somebody didn't force it no on i ordered it we'll i talk think it, later yeah but it was, i also bought one odd. for us to drink oh well i do love that slovenian rosé that is one of my faves oh, and God utopia mm-hmm. there's a couple I of have rosés utopia. that i love i do too mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's talk about DBP. Let's talk about it. So I want to do a podcast with moms. That's one of my goals okay. for this year. I need to write this down so that we remember. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we've done a lot the last few years. I think we've changed things up but stayed the same um, in some ways. And we've definitely gotten way more into a groove than we were in the beginning. I think we were... You know, if you listen to our first few podcasts, they're great, but we weren't in quite the groove that we are now. Now it's like we're like a well-oiled machine. We just know what we're doing, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So I love that, but there's always room for improvement in anything that we do, or I should say growth and evolving. Mm -hmm. We can evolve. So yeah, I think we've talked about doing mini episodes, which would be fun. I think this would be really good to explore. We'll need to figure out what exactly those mini episodes look like. Because one of the things that we do, you know, we always pair a topic with a wine, right? And so we talked about that we usually go by label or what it's called or like have some sort of weird connection and stuff like that, which is great. But sometimes it's limiting as to the wines that we can taste. But we want to share other wine experiences with you. So we thought we might do mini episodes to either highlight some of those or highlight specific grapes and things like that to help, you know, kind of cultivate some learning opportunities, if you will. Absolutely. It's always fun for us to continue to learn and yeah, go through all that. We had a blast doing wine tasting. We are going to be releasing that very soon. Yeah. And I think that we could definitely do wine tastings. Again, it's just so much fun to not know what you're drinking and try and guess. It's, it's a good so time. fun, but it's also like so like, I don't know. And, but it, you know, because the thing is, nobody's really judging us. There's no stake in the game. Like, it's just a fun, fun experiment for us. And it's and exciting think, to choose for each other, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, because it's like, oh, is this person going to expect that? Like, I mean, okay, we're not going to give anything away. You guys will hear it very soon, I promise. Um, we also talked about Sarah doing like an under 20s because I think that 20 is like, it's like a big threshold for people as far as it relates it totally to spending is. money on wine. You and can I think find some good wine under $20. It's not, it's, it's um, going to be scarier though because it's, I think mm-hmm. it's not typically from the US. Exactly. And that's why I think it's uncomfortable because or it can be uncomfortable. So, 
I think that that will be a great episode that we can do. And we've 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 like hint, talked about it a little bit. I think periodically we also talked about kind of revisiting some of our past favorites and see if they you know Still stand are. the test of time. Challenging though, finding the same vintage. So that we is. might not get that. But your wine tastes evolve. That is also true. So like what I might have loved five years ago might not be what I love now. Oh my God, Sarah, when you say it like that. That's a long time ago. It is, but we've been doing this for four years. Mm. So I mean like, you know, what we might have drank. Like Pinot for me was not what I loved when I started drinking wine. Who loves Pinot at first? No one. Nobody. And then like... You know, Sorry, that's probably mean, but I mean, most people don't in the beginning. And then I used to love Cab. To be honest, I don't go to Cab anymore. It's not my first choice. Isn't that weird? It's weird. It's I mean, I don't dislike Cab. I like Cab, but it's not no my first choice because there's so much more out there than yeah. like the general go-to wines and varietals and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think our wine tastes have evolved. So it would be interesting to go back and look and see. What did we call our favorites and are they still? But like you said, the vintages might be different. So that could be difficult. But the theme might be the same. Yeah. So um, at least for that, we, you know, we could, we could see. I, we haven't done a lot of Italian wine, you know, mm, and do I actually have a few. Oh. <gasps> <laughs> okay. So I mentioned before about mini episodes for like wines that we want to share. Yeah. But oh my God, I actually have like Barolos and oh, like. Oh, yeah. I have an Amarone. I have a couple Amarones. Amarone? Amarone, yeah. Um, and we need to do that. We need to talk about... Oh, we yes. need to do some okay. Italian wine. It, Italy is... Do you guys want to learn more? And talk to us about our, our, our title. Do you like Drunk Bitches Podcast? Are we still in an... Are we still cool? Or like, are we... Do we need to change it up? We are open to suggestions, guys. So, yeah, I, I you know, I think Italian wine, I feel like it's such a huge wine region. There's so much going on there. I, again, as our wine tastes evolve, has never been what I've gravitated to, but it's. I think it's scary. There's all these things you're like, I don't know, what is Montepulciano? What is, you know, Primitivo? You know, what is Sangiovese? Do I like that? I don't know. Do I? And like kind of talking through some of that stuff, you know. So yeah, Italy is, we have not tapped into that. We really haven't. I think we did the Luna Doro. Yeah, we've only done a, a couple, I think. That was yummy. And I do enjoy Italian wine. I don't not enjoy it. It's not my, like I said, it's not my it's first. Not go-to. It's not my go-to. But when I've had Italian wine, and you know, Italian wine goes mostly with food, I, I'm like, oh, but we don't do it that often. So that would be nice to go into. And I've done a little bit of French, not a ton. Australia, I feel like we've done... Nothing. I have a wine from Australia that we will do. I just bought it. We'll figure something out for it. Mm-hmm. But Sarah, thinking back on all of these years together, <laughs> I mean, mostly with a focus on, I guess, the podcast. Because we were together long before the podcast. Yes, we were. It's been a beautiful relationship. Um, it really has. What have been some highlights from doing a podcast? I mean, hanging out with you is the number one highlight. 
I agree because it's like a oh we have to we have to we do a podcast. You guys mm-hmm. don't see that in my air quotes right the now. The double yeah. We have to do a podcast, so we must air quote hang out. Um, I hope you're not like Joey Tribbiani and you are using these in the right way. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. No, um, no, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. right. So definitely that. Now that you're close, I mean, you've always we've always lived close, which is awesome. Um, I, I could literally that, walk home. Yes, which before you lived close, but we couldn't really walk to each other. No, other. you did that one. Time. I did that one time. It was awful. It was like ninety degrees out. I think it took. I think it took Sarah like forty-five minutes to walk to my house. No, and I think was it was longer. And it was. I was so hot. It was a parade. It was like ninety you were degrees. Going somewhere else. I was like, can I drive you home? I was like, yes, you can. <laughs> so now it's a very convenient. Like I walked by their current house before they even moved there all the time. Um. So it makes it really nice. So that's obviously a huge thing. I think the other thing is is that I think it forces us to try new wines mm-hmm. and to explore. Mm-hmm. Because I would do that anyways, but not in the way that we do. Not in the way that we learn about it and talk about it and like look for different things. And it makes us it makes us go outside of our comfort zone sometimes. Yeah. And I I, you know, I've learned so much through doing this podcast with I wine. agree. And I think too, well, the fact that you said that you do it on your own like is amazing. I probably stock up on wines from places, but I don't actually like drink them because I'm just like, oh, at the end of the day, like I don't need to think about things like my brain is just fried. But I appreciate having an opportunity to learn about and to taste other things, taste new things with somebody who I also know will we'll do appreciate the same. it. What I love about this is that like we can you know, we were, what, hanging out, talking for like an hour, an hour plus beforehand, just, you know, because we could make this as formal or as informal as we need. We can podcast, we cannot podcast. We can, you know, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes it's just fun. It's just fun. It's a fun hobby and it's It's something you look forward to. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's no pressure. It's just something we love to do. And yes. I think that that's what makes this the most fun is it's hanging out with one of your fav- most favorite people and having a good time doing something you love. And how could you not want to do that? I don't understand. I mean, let's... And we get to go to tastings together. Oh, my gosh. And all that good, good fun. Although the last two tastings we had to go to separately, which sucked. I was... Very sad. We were trying to get Jamie into a tasting that was sold out. I'm going to blame Monbrain, but I thought I had signed up for two different tastings. Turns out I only signed up for one. It was the second one, this Gamba one, that, you know, Gamba, you guys might remember, was our, our unicorn, unicorn wine. wine. And Gus Gamba came himself and did the wine tasting. Which is fucking amazing. Sarah and Adam got to go. I'm so sad I couldn't go. I was like, maybe I'll just go hang out in the Growler Gallery and just yeah. sneak in or whatever. Or I was like, you know, just text me if somebody doesn't show up. I really, I was watching that shit like a hawk. <laughs> Sarah sent me the text. She goes, this last woman showed up 30, 30 minutes, minutes late. late. I was standing there like I was about to go up to Nate and be like, I'm calling Jamie. <laughs> okay. She's coming. She's taking this spot. Sarah and I have been to plenty of tastings together over the course of the last four or five years there. We're... People just don't show mm-hmm. up. It's the whole place. And they pour all of the wines from the get-go. And so it's like all this fucking wine, great wine, potentially, just down the drain. Yeah. 
So I was like, I will twist my arm. I will be on call to show up. Unfortunately, yep. it wasn't in the cards for me, but that's okay. However, Sarah, I got to tell you, remember I mentioned to you before the 2019 was not tasting so hot the last yeah. time I opened a bottle? Yeah. I just opened it two nights ago. And? I actually think it's 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 good now. Yeah, Delish. and I think only maybe six months transpired or like I've got. So a I few think it's on the up and up. Yes, I, I got think a few we're, of them. I'm 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 sitting on them for a little bit. Yeah, and then you got to go to Paul Hobbs, and I couldn't go because I had family in town and such. So, um, and Paul Hobbs is like another wine we could feature. Like cool guy. Yeah, seems like a cool guy, and actually does wine in. Wild regions. Yeah, like he's, he's all over the an, place. An I have Armenian a signed bottle bite from him. I know you do. Yeah. Your mom got it, right? She did. She's a Paul Hobbs fan. Yeah, that would have been... It would have been really cool. It's okay that it... I still have to go pick up that wine, too, because I bought some bottles for us, including and, yes. a Chardonnay. And I bought a Gamba Chardonnay. How crazy is that? You know, we're trying to expand our horizons. Exactly. Um, yeah, so the tastings are great. Um, always a fun opportunity because there's a learning element, but there's also like, I feel like Sarah and I kind of get in our own little like dimension mm-hmm. while we're in those tastings too. Cause then we're like, Ooh, but like we talk on, like we talk, we talk to ourselves mm-hmm. during it. It's like they're teaching us stuff, which is great. We take pictures and like we learn stuff from them, but like we also just like have like yeah, side, bar side conversation. conversation. Yeah. It's fabulous. It is. Um, this wine is fabulous. It's a nine and an eight year old wine. They're both drinking so well. I gotta be honest. I never really... And again, this is like somewhat my ignorance. I just really never think that Pinot Noir is going to be something that ages well. It, to me, it needs to be a young grape because I f- it's such a delicate grape that it, it will not. Pinot's a very ageable grape, though. Are you talking about French? Yeah. Oh, I just remember we went to that Pinot Noir tasting like probably six years ago. Yeah. Oh my God, was it six years? It actually might have been six years ago. Pillow Road. I just drank it for, it was a 2011. It was stunning. I just drank that like three months ago, four months ago. A Pinot, good Pinot ages well. I have a Beaufrere that's a library oh. wine. Oh, it yeah. It was, we tasted it there. It, it was, Beaufrere is uh, a winery in Willamette Valley. Very good Pinot. We tasted the, one of their library wines there. I can't remember. Maybe it was a 13. It was phenomenal. Oh, was it a 13? I thought, I thought it was older than that. It might have been. I have it downstairs. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Honestly, it was one of the most expensive wines I've bought. They're an and expensive winery anyway. Yes, but they have their prices. So here's the other funny thing that yeah. you learn in the wine industry. Yeah. Or we're not. Like no, when you, you drink you, a lot of wine. Yeah. Wine that is good, that you identify as good, the prices go up. So when I first bought Beaufrere, when we first bought Beaufrere, it was, I remember I was at a wine tasting at Ruby Tap. And someone came with Beaufrere wines. Really? Do you remember this? No. You were with me. No, no. We were at Thief. There was one at... I, I did not drank, go to... Oh, I did you not didn't go to that one. one. You went. We went together to Thief, and then they came a second yes. time to mm-hmm. Ruby Tap. Okay. And I went by myself. Yes, you're okay. correct. And the wine... I think I bought their wine for $40. I think that was a discount. Their but wines have always been expensive. They are... There's no way they don't have a wine less than eighty dollars now. I don't think that's what I'm saying. Is that right? Yes. I think now their wines even have gone up tremendously. Like forty dollars to most people is actually like a decent a chunk lot. of change. Yeah. 
to spend on a bottle of wine. Oh, 80? I agree. Just on a general wink- drinking wine, like $40 is a... That's mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. You notice like these good wines go up. We were watching a documentary yesterday on Ooh, which Chateau one? Lafitte. <gasps> what? What is this on? Is it on Netflix? It's on some TV. Oh, which one is it? Uh, it's... It is. It's just shut. It's like it's a documentary oh, on just Lafitte. Okay. All right, all right. I still do. You know there. that their wine used to go for eighty dollars. Like, so Chateau Lafitte is a Premier thousand Crew. plus dollar and bottle of wine. Yes, it is one of five Premier Cru, I believe. Yeah, it's a very expensive wine. Very, but expensive. it used to only be eighty dollars. Like it, and I'm not talking like a hundred years ago. Like, probably in the last 20 to 30 years. So, like, it goes from 80 to 1,000. But... Like, that is that is insane. Sarah, it also has to do with... Consider... Well... I'll say consider what was 30 years ago. Consider what was 40 years ago, which was a judgment of Paris, which then was like, oh, shit, actually, California makes their own good wine. So then, there needed... Like, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, listening here, like... There is an element, and this is just, this goes into marketing like across the board. It's not even just yeah. like wine. It's like everything in general. Right. People associate higher quality with a higher price. And so I think that's why we see these huge influxes. Now, don't get me wrong because we've done plenty of podcasts where we talk about the fact that, and just like with Peter Sellers, yeah, they do a lot of stuff, hand harvesting, handy stemming, yeah. all of that. Whenever you have a non-mechanized way to produce your wine it takes a lot of labor it takes a lot of love and so it automatically is going to bump up that cost which i think is a disadvantage to the smaller wineries to some extent because the thing is that they, they can't price point out like those people who like have like machines that run through the vineyards and like get all the grapes or whatever or mechanically destem things or mechanically sort they you you can't compete on that level and so they automatically have to bump up to a higher price bracket like even peter sellers we're talking about 40 dollars bottles of wine like peter sellers is above a 40 dollars bottle of wine for most of the the varietals that they produce and i think that's okay we i just think that maybe if that's a splurge for folks because it it is i will say it is that is a splurge Mm -hmm. that if that is a splurge, then, you know, you consider maybe I'll splurge on this for something. So, you know, you feel like you have to, like, hold on to stuff. But at what point are you just, like, you're going to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait? And you're always like, oh, but this isn't the occasion. But this isn't the occasion. But this isn't the occasion. But guess what? And then you die. <laughs> <laughs> That's abrupt. <laughs> but to Sarah's point, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, maybe less. Um, morbid less morbid or catastrophic maybe more so like your wine turns because we've certainly learned that yes we have yes you don't want your wine to turn no that's not a good thing well actually i think this is when i opened that pillow that 2011 pillow road it was on like it's i don't know if it's like february 25th 26th 27th somewhere around there at the end of february and it's that drink that bottle I think is what it's called. Basically, it's saying like, you know you have a bottle you've been saving forever. Well, guess what? You might as well just fucking open it and enjoy it now because you never know what's going to happen. You could get hit by a bus. Yes. You could hate I wine. Hope, I hope you don't. 
Oh my God, all of these are bad things. All of these are bad things. Yeah, well, I said you could die. So I mean, but also your 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 the bottle might turn, and so you the don't you turn. want to avoid that happening. So anyway, yeah. See, this is Sarah. This is one of the reasons why I love not only doing the podcast but just drinking with you too, is because we get to do this kind of fun. We stuff. get to do this, and because we know that we will both get out of popping a bottle that is perhaps a little more rare, a little older, a little more unique even. Like, so it's a crapshoot if it's going to be good or not. You and I both know that this is something that it's okay, whatever ends up happening. This is true. And, you know, I think it gives us room to grow in drinking wine. Um, Yeah. Something that I've started doing when you talked about the best time to drink a certain wine is if I buy a wine that's expensive... And I'm with someone who knows about it. I usually ask, like, what's the best time to drink this wine? Or you can look it up. And I put a label on that wine. Like, drink between 2022 and 2025. I've started to do that. So that I... And I don't have it for many of my bottles, but a few of them. So that I'm like, okay, I need to drink this at a certain time frame. So that it's at its best time. Oh, totally. And, you know, as you kind of get into wine they do talk about that you you, you don't want to drink wine when it's on its down peak which sometimes down peak is... doesn't make any sense down slope yeah you can't peak and be down at the same time that makes no sense <laughs> <laughs> this I is how you know it just we've went... been like dabbling in the wine just dabbling point. just so, dabbling i think we both gave heavy pours on our vintages it's a lot of fun can we do we have to choose? I like both of them very much. I mean, I'm literally on here trying to figure out how many bottles I can get with a discount. <laughs> so, like, I mean, his want it's it's incredible. It's just for what it it's incredible for being such a small vineyard in Sonoma. I think that's where I'm like his Pinot making technique for being a small vineyard in Sonoma is so good. It's so good. I don't know. I think I'm honestly leaning towards the 13. I just... You still are. Okay. What about you? Are you still leaning towards 14? Because this will just... If it is, you know what? This is hilarious, you guys. This just like solidifies who we are as wine people like three years later. It's... Well, it's true. I am actually leaning more towards the 2014 because it's so good. I still kind of like the slightly fruitier. Yeah. It's not to say that I don't love Forest Roller, but you know me. I don't love Burgundy. And... You know, the funny thing is, I don't love Burgundy. But I think... I've noticed that about myself. When we've done Burgundy tastings together, I think that you have enjoyed more than I have enjoyed. Probably. But I... You know, we had a Burgundy the other day and I was like... I don't go to Burgundy. It is not when I'm getting French wine. I'm not going you go, to Burgundy. You go CDP. I go. I go Chateauneuf, Côte d'Iron, Côte d'Iron, Syrah. Mm-hmm. But I don't mm-hmm. go to Burgundy. It is not my. But you're also not a Bordeaux to. person. No, you're not the big heavy hitters from from. France. But you know why I'm not a Bordeaux person? No, because to get a good Bordeaux, you're spending a pretty penny. Most of the Bordeaux that you buy in the range that I would buy are not good. Most of them. I'm going to challenge you because, no, I'm not going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge me. Okay. This is like my challenge. My father does not supposedly like Pinot Noir. 
And I'm like, I'm going to find you a fucking Pinot Noir. <laughs> I blind tasted him. People who don't like Pinot haven't had good Pinot. And I was like, what do you like? That's the thing. I'm like, I don't care what you think it is. I was like, do you like it? That's the only question that I care about. Yeah. Do you like it? We still haven't quite found the right one. I have plenty more. I would like to try to find you a Bordeaux. Okay. Maybe I need to find you a Burgundy. <laughs> Not a huge fan. Well, we have Peter Sellers, um, so why do we need that? True. All right, friend. This has this been... This has been so fun. And I know we've been all over the place, guys. It's like stream of consciousness today. But um, we've it's been enjoying ourselves. Four magical years together. Four, four magical years. Of DVP. I mean, like, I've only been married for five years. And I think you've been married for four, right? Or almost four. So... I'm trying to do math. <laughs> <laughs> I've been married... I've been married for four and a half years. There we go. Yes, exactly. More than that. More than four that. years. Yes, that's what I thought. Okay. I was like, well, you I was like she's one year behind. So yeah. this is like a marriage in a way. It is. We're almost common law marriage. Almost. almost. It's like you're, we, you're Sarah, my wine wife. We've been friends for seven years. It's insane. So it is common law marriage. It's it fine. Is. It's okay. That's we, who we are. We embrace it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, no, this has been wonderful. We yeah. hope that you guys are getting a lot out of this or at least enjoying being a part of it. Send and us feedback if we, you want. Yes. And we yeah. certainly hope that you're drinking along with us. And even if you're not drinking the same exact thing as us, one of the reasons why we love this is because we taste things that maybe we wouldn't. Hey, hey if you're, you're probably not drinking Peter Sellers or most definitely you're not. But like, if you are, call me because I, I kind of <laughs> want some. <laughs> we want to hear about your experience. Yeah. We hope that you will continue to listen to us in season five. We, like we said, we have ideas. We have podcasts. In fact, we have some podcasts already recorded for you to enjoy in season five. And we are hoping to expand on some of those like mini episodes. So we know that we weren't posting as frequently as we had hoped. I know this last year has been pretty light, but uh, this whole like mommy business is kind of outrageous. Well, you know, we just, we just. We're going to work around things. Let's just say we adjust. And we that's adjust. Okay. And evolve. And that's, that's how we, we do. That's how wine goes too. I, it, adju- it evolves. We're like a bottle of wine. We are. Always always moving. Always living. And getting better with age. Oh my God. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So cheers, friends. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at DBP Cheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.